0: You are listening to audio from Citizens Church in Annapolis, Maryland. I'm Pastor Joey, and I hope what you're about to hear blesses you, increases your love and knowledge of Jesus, and answers any questions that you might have about him. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome to our Candlelight Christmas Eve service. Good evening, everybody, and Merry Christmas Eve. Uh, so, this is our Candlelight service, which, of course, chill out, hold your horses. It'll happen after the sermon. It's coming. I know that's what you want. You'll get it, okay? But let me tell you why we do things like candlelight services. Why do we even have candlelight services typically, traditionally, uh, you know, the day before Christmas? Why is that? It's because it reminds us that Jesus' birth, His coming into our world, was like light that is shining in the darkness. It was hope breaking into our darkness, into our dimension. But here's the thing, you don't know how necessary... How uh, absolutely in need of that light you are, unless you know the severity of the darkness. Unless you know just how problematic our situation is, our life is, our world is. And so we've been studying the Gospel of John on Sunday mornings here at Citizens Church. And I want to jump ahead now, actually, to John chapter 8 and look there because Jesus teaches us specifically there that he is the light of the world that has come into the darkness. To understand the impact of the darkness, let's first understand what the darkness is. And so what is it? What is the darkness? Look at verse 34. Here it is. Here's our problem. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Now you hear that, you know, everyone who practices sin, anyone who does wrong is is a slave to sin, mastered by sin. To you that might sound Uh, dramatic. To you, that might sound really harsh or severe, but let me tell you what sin is. Maybe this will make sense to you. Sin, simply, one way to understand it, is the misuse of that which is good. The misuse of that which is good. So, work is good. Relationships are good. Food and drink is good. Everything that God has created and given to us is good in and of itself. The problem is we take people we take things and we place this burden of expectation on them so that they will make us happy. We require these creative things to make our happy, ourselves happy. We do that to elevate ourselves. We do that to console ourselves. Why? Because each one of us, deep down, tell me if this isn't true. It's very simple. And it's very self-evident. All of us want to be happy. Every single one of us in our hearts want to be happy. So we go back to those things, back to people, back to places, back to things, back to practices to have those hits of happiness, those those strokes of happiness again. But the problem is, tell me this isn't true also, that happiness, the pursuit of happiness, it's really short-lived because it's not possible for people. It's not possible for things to make you happy. Some of you tomorrow morning, We'll open up a present, and it might be a watch. And you're going to look at your watch, and you're going to put it on, and you're going to know it's a good watch. Why? Because it's going to tell you the time. See, you know, you know how good a thing is, how useful a thing is, if that thing is a good thing for you, if it is serving its function, acting according to its purpose. But when you begin to look at your watch to tell you the future, now you're asking for your watch to do something it wasn't created for. It wasn't built for. It wasn't purposed for. It's not going to be able to tell you the future. It's not going to tell you those things that are ahead of you. It's going to be able to tell you just the time on your wrist. We do that exact same thing with people and things. We ask people and things to deliver to us a deep and profound happiness that they just simply weren't created to give us. It's not going to happen. And so the effect is we become addicts to sin. We become addicts because happiness is fleeting, but people and things seem to be our only options. And not only do we become addicted then, and here's really where the problem starts, the deeper problem. Because we become addicted to people and things, we require them in our life and smother them and, and leverage them. We hurt those people. We smother them and then we resent them when they don't make us happy. Or we corrupt and destroy God's good creation because we misuse it. So our pursuit of happiness is at the expense of others, at the expense of the world around us. So what does that sound like? That sounds like injustice. That sounds like wrongdoing. That sounds like hurting and harming. That sounds like selfishness. That sounds like manipulation. That sounds like what the Bible calls sin, breaking God's law. And if God, listen, this is really important. If God is a good and loving God, which we all want to believe in, if he is truly loving, he must oppose that which is wrong. He must oppose that which is not loving that which creates destruction, that which creates chaos, that that which harms and hurts others who he loves. And so because God is good and loving, he must oppose you and I because we are crushing others and crushing his world, destroying his world, all in this pursuit of happiness that is so fleeting. So what's the problem? All who practice sin is a slave to sin. So what hope do we have? This is the situation we're all in. This is the reality we're all in. Every single one of us have contributed to this and are found in this mess. So what hope do we have? It's this in verse 35. Look with me. This is the solution. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. This is Jesus' follow-up statement. This is what he says right after pronouncing us all guilty of sin. He says, the slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son remains forever. So Jesus uses this illustration to make a point. So in this time, slavery was like indentured servitude. You would give yourself to a household for a time to pay off debt. And once that debt is paid off, you were released. But here's the problem, with, and I think this is what the illustration Jesus is giving, is trying to make the point. Here's the point of the illustration. You. If you're not really a son, if you're not really a child, if you're just a worker, if you're just a slave, then that familial love, that deep and profound security that comes within the family, for you it's not promised. For you it's not guaranteed. It's like you're always grasping at it, wanting it, searching for it, seeking for it, but it's not promised because you are not a son. The only person who remains in the house forever, the only person who is promised and guaranteed that familial love, that security, is who? The son. A child. They have full guarantee of that kind of happiness. So listen, if we are ever to be happy, truly, actually happy, and stop Crushing people, stop destroying things, stop sinning and stop being enslaved. If we are ever to be happy, we need to be lifted out of slavery and become sons and daughters. We need to become a part of God's family. But how? We don't just snap our fingers and make that happen. Uh, We're addicts, remember? We're addicted. We couldn't change our situation even if we wanted to, even if we tried, we couldn't do it. We're addicted. So what hope do we have for our situation to change? What we need, and it's the only option, this is the only way it's going to work, what we need is a gracious father who will send his chosen son to transfer to us that son's birthright. And then that son pay off our debt so we can be adopted into the family and have that familial love, that security that is found in relationship with God. And so it isn't interesting. I know we're thinking about Christmas, Jesus being born as a baby, but think about the end of his life, his last very few words. What does he say on the cross with with his last words? My father, why have you forsaken me? What is that teaching us? (laughs) What's Jesus experiencing there and what's so significant about it? Jesus is experiencing what we deserve. Jesus is experiencing alienation, isolation, from the Father, because that's what we've wanted. We want to build our lives our own way. We, we don't want God to interrupt and get his hands in our life. We want to be commander, master of our own life, and define what's going to make us happy on our own terms. We want God to keep a distance. We want alienation from him. So friends, that's what we deserved, and that's what hell is. Hell is God granting us our ultimate wish, saying, fine, if you don't want me, you can. You don't want to have me forever. But Jesus takes, fully absorbs, our penalty. He is crushed by our sin in our place, but that's not the only thing that happens. That's pretty good news, that Jesus absorbs God's justice, our penalty fully, but he also, in that moment, trades places with us and transfers to us his perfect sonship. So now we are given legitimate, not just wishful thinking, not just arbitrary, nebulous, real love from the Father Because now we're seen as no different than Jesus. We have been given, transferred his actual sonship, his actual righteousness. So we stand before God, we're fully accepted and approved because we have his perfection all around us, imputed to us, drenched over us. So God's solution to our slavery was to send his son so he could pay our sin debt and make us sons, and now we can actually be happy. Truly, we don't need to go on chasing our tails. We don't need to go on placing these unrealistic burdens of expectation on things and people to make us happy and crush them and destroy the world around us because now we have the best thing. Now we have access to the greatest source of love that you will ever find. The greatest source of love that your heart was was literally configured to, to have relationship with God the Father, your creator. You are now reconciled to him because he sent his son to die in your place. That's why we love Christmas, because it's the start of this great story, the start of this great hope we have in Jesus. So now what? So now what? Here's my question for you: Will you take Jesus up on his offer? I mean, Jesus has gone the entire way and totally opened up his heart to you, totally given himself to you. So now what will you do? What awaits you? Look at verse 36. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Freedom is what Jesus is offering you. So like I said, no more chasing our tail, no more smothering others and hating them when they let you down, no more misuse and destroying the good things that God has given no more shame and guilt looming over us because of it. We are released from sin. We are released from its power. We are released from its curse. How? How do you experience this? Okay, if you're going to choose this and respond to this, how do you integrate into this great vision that Jesus is casting before you? Go back to verse 12. Rewind to verse 12. And this is happening all in the same conversation, okay? This is just how Jesus began the conversation. He says in verse 12, I... And the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So, this is an interesting statement because if you don't know, in the background of this, this passage, chapter, John chapter 8, uh, the Jewish people are celebrating what's called the Feast of Tabernacles, where they would commemorate remember how God delivered the people of Israel from Egypt, how they led him in a pillar of fire by night out and into the promised land. It was this great act of salvation. and That's what this Feast of Tabernacles commemorates. And so what they would do is they'd set up these globes and they would uh, light them with fire and they would let them burn all week. And it was this uh, literal physical act they would do to, to portray the great hope that they had that another great, a better, more ultimate exodus will one day take place, that God will again one day ransom his people. And here comes Jesus during this feast of tabernacles into the courtyard where these, the, these globes glowing and says, this celebration, it's about me. These lights They're about me. Do you remember that pillar of fire that led you out of the wilderness and into the promised land? Jesus is saying, That was me, and it's me. I'm here to lead you out of darkness and into freedom. And into freedom. What gives Jesus the basis to say such a thing? What gives Jesus the warrant to say such an audacious thing? He says, and he, He says that He alone is this. Remember verse 12? He says, I am the light of life, and I am the light of the world. Now, that means two things. One, it means that Jesus has left heaven. The Prince of heaven has come to earth and offered us salvation. The light has broken into the world, into the darkness. So now you have access to genuine, amazing relationship with your Father and Creator. That's what, that, that's what, what it firstly means. But secondly, it means this. If you take Jesus into your life, if you let him be the center of your life and then let him build it out from there, let him call the shots, let him occupy the the lordship seat of your life, he becomes the greatest point of reference for your life. He makes sense of everything, he is the light of the world. Without him, there is no light. You're you're navigating your way through the world, groping in the darkness. He is the greatest point of reference. So listen, (laughs) with Jesus, suffering makes sense. There's a point to it. With Jesus, marriage makes even more sense. With Jesus, children make more sense. With Jesus, singleness makes sense. With Jesus, everything makes sense because he is the light of life. He is the light of the world. And so if you don't have Jesus There is a short ceiling on your capacity for joy in life because things just won't make sense without him. Jesus is offering you the opportunity to step into the light with him, to come out of the darkness. And when you do, you begin to see things differently. It's like this this great illumination has taken place where the past life (laughs) and the former way of things It's so clearly now lame and so clearly now settling because life with Jesus, the light of the world himself, the very prince of heaven and relationship with him, walking with him, that is true life. And he has made that possible. Freedom is what Jesus is offering you and I. And so here's what freedom is. We make the mistake and think freedom is just unlimited choices and I can choose whatever I want. That's freedom. That's not freedom. That, that's not realistic. That doesn't exist. We're not free to do whatever we like. Freedom, real freedom, is the strategic yes to something because it makes the most sense and it gives us the greatest, the greatest um, satisfaction and wholeness in life. Here's how, here's how freedom in Jesus works. We say yes to Jesus and we're okay saying no to everything that we used to go to before, everything we used to settle for before. before. Because the scales now are so severely tipped in Jesus' favor. Because he is life. Because he is light. Because he has reconciled us to the greatest source of love, the Father, our Creator. So step into the light. So, what's your choice? (laughs) Step into the light. Now, this all might be a little abstract. So, I'll close with just one illustration, and it's this I love stories. We all love stories. All of us, I can guarantee you, watched Home Alone two in the last few days. I watched it today. I didn't finish it. I'll watch it tonight. I'll finish watching it tonight. I don't. I was about to give my running commentary of the different Home Alone movies, but you know, I'll save it. Ask me later. But great, great movies, great stories. We love them. Okay. Now listen. How much better would it be when you find a story that has intrigue and mystery and it's it's magnetic and it's a page turn. You want to keep on reading. That's a great story. How much better would it be to have a conversation with the author? To have a relationship with the mind behind the story? To have a relationship with the soul who had the imagination for that story? That's the difference today for you. You can remain in the darkness and live in the story, but you have a very short ceiling on the happiness in your life, and you're going to go on hurting and harming, and destroying, and putting yourself at at odds with God, or you can walk through life with the author himself. You can walk through life with, with the light of life himself. And so the choice is yours. That's laid before you today. You can step in the light, or you can remain in the darkness. Christmas is one day a year that reminds us of what we can have for a lifetime. So truly, we can truly live if we live in the truth. And the truth is that Jesus is God. He is the light of life. He has been sent to give you his birthright so you can be welcomed by the Father. So now the choice is yours. Darkness or light? Death or life? Jesus or people and things? Fleeting happiness or true happiness? Let's pray. God, we are thankful that you have not left us to our own. And Lord, you had every right to do so. We wanted nothing to do with you. And it would have been very fair and appropriate for you to just give us the cold shoulder and walk away. But because of your great love that you loved us, you came for us to rescue us, to bring us back to you, to bring us home. So now we're sons and daughters, no longer slaves. And so Father, I pray that you would Make a difference in our life with these truths, that you are life, that you are light, that we can be sons, that we can be daughters. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. For more information about Citizens Church, please go to citizensannapolis.com.